0: Chapter 7 of A Group of Famous Women, this is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dick Bourgeois Doyle. A Group of Famous Women by Edith Horton. Margaret Fuller Dosoli, 1810-1850. I have always said it, nature meant to make woman its masterpiece. Gottold. Ephraim Lessing. Margaret Fuller was born in Cambridgeport, Massachusetts, May twenty-third, 1810. Her parents were people of great culture and refinement and devotedly attached to each other. Margaret wrote years after her father's death, his love for my mother was the green spot on which he stood apart from the commonplaces of a mere bread-winning existence. She was one of those fair, flower-like natures, which sometimes spring up even beside the most dusty highways of life. Of all the persons whom I have known, she had in her most of the angelic. It was not surprising, therefore, that Margaret should have inherited a beautiful nature and a fine mind. She became the idol of her father, who was fifty years in advance of his neighbors in his ideas of bringing up girls. Fuller believed that his daughter should have as good an education as his boys. But, since there were no girls' colleges and the boys' colleges were closed to them, he was obliged to teach Margaret himself. At six years of age, this clever child began to read Latin. Once, when she was eight, her father found her so absorbed in Romeo and Juliet that she did not hear him when he spoke to her. It is probable that much of Margaret's later ill health was the result of the severe mental work demanded of her in childhood by her father. Mr. Fuller was certainly very ambitious that Margaret should excel in her studies. Often, she remained up until late at night reciting to him, not knowing that she was working beyond her strength. She describes her life at the age of 15 in the following manner. I rise up a little before five, walk an hour, and then practice on the piano until 7, when we breakfast. Next, I read French till 8. Then, two or three lectures in Brown's philosophy. About half past nine, I go to Mr. Perkins' school and study Greek till 12. When the school, being dismissed, I recite, go home, and practice again till dinner at 2. Then, when I can, I read two hours in Italian. Though frail in body and plain in looks, this girl grew to be a fascinating and attractive woman. Men and women of prominence fell under the influence of her charms. At 17, her unusual intellectual qualities gained her the friendship of Reverend James Freeman Clark, and later she became a valued friend of the Emerson family. At the age of 23, Margaret taught in the famous school of Mr. Alcott in Boston. Through working with this great educator, she met most of the gifted men and women of the time. Elizabeth Peabody, another remarkable woman, to whom we are indebted for bringing Froebel and the kindergarten into notice in the United States, became Margaret's friend. And together, these two labored to revive intellectual thought among women. When Mr. Alcott ceased teaching, Margaret became principal of a school in Providence, Rhode Island. But longing to become better educated herself, she resigned from her position to give private lessons in the higher branches, meanwhile studying languages. So great were her acquisitive powers that, before long, she had a good teaching knowledge of Latin, Greek, German, French, and Italian. Her greatest gift was her ability to entertain people by conversing with them. Deeply interested in the welfare of women, her talent for talking led her to open a school of conversation. A large number of intelligent, educated women met in the home of Miss Elizabeth Peabody, where, led by Margaret Fuller, they discussed important books and philosophical subjects. Her idea was to induce women to do something worthwhile with their knowledge. These conversations were ridiculed by the community at large, Yet they were continued successfully for five years and attracted many serious and intellectual women who felt the need of mental activity. At last, the conversations became an old story, and Margaret looked about for other occupation. One came to her in the form of an editorial position on the New York Tribune, offered her by Horace Greeley, the editor-in-chief. She used her pen also for the benefit of the people, writing editorials to influence the rich to help the poor the unjust, to become just. She also translated books from foreign languages and kept a journal, which was published after her death. In 1847, Miss Fuller went to Rome to live and while there met a handsome young Italian named Giovanni Angelo, the Marchese d'Ossoli. This gentleman had been discarded by his family for his part in a political movement led by Mazzini for the independence of Italy. His troubles attracted Margaret to him. They became attached to each other and finally married. It was necessary, however, to keep the marriage a secret, Margaret being a Protestant. During the siege of Rome by the French army in 1849, Margaret, still known as Miss Fuller, took an active part in hospital work, spending the greater part of her time in nursing the sick and wounded. The Marchese d'Ossili had charge of the battery on Pincian Hill, the most exposed of all positions. Such great fear was felt for the men stationed there that Margaret summoned Mr. Cass, the American minister at Rome, and gave him certain letters and papers. He was astonished to learn from these that she was married to Dosseli, and that the package contained the certificate of their marriage and that of the birth and baptism of their child. Also, that she intended to go to the Pincian Hill and remain with her husband and die with him if necessary. Mr. Cass willingly took charge of these papers and watched the Marchese and Margaret walk away together as if on a pleasant stroll. They survived the night, however, and the next morning the French army entered Rome. Soon after, the Marchese and the Marchesa, with their child, left Rome for Florence to sail for America as soon as possible. It is recorded that both dreaded the voyage, as Dosseli had been told by a fortune teller to avoid the sea, And Margaret had a strong presentiment of disaster. They sailed May 5th, 1850, and from the first the voyage was a bad one. The captain died of smallpox and had to be buried at sea. Then windstorms delayed them. And when little Angelo was taken ill with smallpox, the agony of the parents may be imagined. The child recovered, but on July 19th, during a terrific gale, the vessel was wrecked off Fire Island and Margaret, her husband, and her child were lost. A trunk containing papers and manuscripts belonging to Margaret was picked up. And in this way, her relatives and friends came to know the true history of her life abroad. End of chapter 7